we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Shall I seek a job according to my idiosyncrasies, which means according to my conditioning? My conditioning is the result of society, which says prestige and status are most important, not function. Hello and welcome to episode 204 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast features carefully selected extracts from the archives. The aim is to represent different aspects of Krishnamurti's radical approach to many of the issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is work. Upcoming themes are joy, illusion and virtue. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. The centre offers a variety of group retreats from February to December, including for young adults. The atmosphere is one of openness and friendliness, with a sense of freedom to inquire with others and alone. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on work has five sections. This first extract is from the second question and answer meeting in Sanan, 1980, titled, Right Living, Right Livelihood. When the questioner says, I'm a teacher, I have to struggle not only with the established system of schools and education, but also my own life is a constant battle with myself. And Must I give up all this? And then what shall I do if I give up all that? So he's asking not only what is a right teacher, but also he wants to find out what is a right living. I hope, yeah? What do you think is right living? As society exists now, there is no right living, right? You have to earn a livelihood. You have to earn money, you have a family, 
your children, you become responsible for them, and so you accept. If you are, if you have been through university and so on, you become an engineer, professor, uh, electromagnetic uh, teacher, and so on, so on, so on. As the society exists now, can one have a right living? You understand my question? Or to search out a right living becomes merely a, a utopia, a wish for something more. So I'm asking myself, and you are asking yourself. I hope, what is right living? What is one to do in a society which is corrupt, which has such contradictions in, in itself, in which there is so much injustice? All that, that is the society in which we live. And I am not only a teacher in a school or in a college and university, and I'm asking myself, what shall I do? You understand, ma'am? Are you asking this too, or are you just waiting for me, for the speaker to tell you? What is one to do in a society so deteriorating, degenerating, Conflict, wars, violence, and terror. What is one to do? What is the right livelihood? Or would you ask the question is it possible to live in this society not only having a right livelihood, but also to live without conflict? That's what the question also asks. Is that possible? To earn a livelihood righteously and also end all conflict within oneself. Right? Now, are these two separate things? Earning a living rightly and not having conflict in oneself or with society. You are these two separate watertight compartments? Are we moving together? Or they go together. If I know how to or aware or live a life without any conflict, which requires great deal of understanding of oneself and therefore enormous sense of intelligence. Not the clever intelligence of the intellect, but the <coughs> capacity to observe 
to see objectively what is happening, both outwardly and inwardly, and knowing there is no difference between the outer and the inner. You're following all that? It's like a tide that goes out and comes in. The society in which we have, which we have created, and can I live in this society without any conflict in myself, and at the same time have a right livelihood? You understand? Now, on which shall I lay emphasis? To the country. Right livelihood, right living, or find out how to live a life without a single conflict. Now, what would you do when this question is put to you? And you have to answer it. You're following this? What will you do? Which comes first, the bread or the other? You understand what I'm? Please don't look so. Join me. We are together exploring this problem, not I alone. You are also exploring it. So we must both join together, not let me talk and you listen, agree or disagree, saying it's not practical, it is not this, it's not that, because it's your problem. So I'm, we are asking each other, is there a way of living which will naturally bring about a right livelihood and at the same time live a constant life without a single shadow of conflict? Is that possible? Is it possible for one to have a life without a single movement of struggle? Do you understand, Mark? People have said you cannot live that way except in a monastery or become a religious monk, because then society looks after you. Right? You are following all this? Society looks after you, because you have renounced the world and all the misery of the world, and you are committed to 
the service of God in quotes. Right? So, there, since you have given your life over to something or an idea or a person or an image or a symbol, because you are so deeply committed to that, you may ask society to look after you, which is what happens in a monastery. Right? Are you following all this? May we go on? Now, nobody believes anymore in monasteries. Thank God. Nobody says, I will surrender myself to something. Right? If you do surrender yourself, it will be surrendering yourself to the image you have created about another or the image which you have projected. You understand all this? No, come on. So, what shall we do? Can I, can you live a life without a single shadow of of conflict. I say it is possible only when you have understood the significance of living. That is, living is action, living is relationship. Right? Relationship and action. That is, life. The second extract is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Sanan, 1972, titled A Job You Love. As things are, as the society, the culture, the economic structure of the world is as it is, how will you find out? And how will you, if you really love what you want to do, how will you be able to live? Or is that the question? The questioner says, I want to find a lo- job which I really love. Is that the question? Or do you will you accept any job because you are not emotionally and psychologically dependent on the job? That is, through a job you are seeking a status. Most of us are. 
We don't want to remain cooks. We want to become this chef, because the chef has a status. We don't want to be merely a priest. We want to become bishops, and then the archbishops, and finally the pope, because that has immense prestige. So what we are, most of us are concerned is not with function, but with status. Now, if you can remove from your mind the status, not seek it at all, then you accept what job you can, don't you? And then that job becomes interesting. I don't know if you follow all this. No, somebody disagrees with all this. Yes, sir. I think it's a bit more complicated. I know it's much more complicated. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm married, I need children. I have children. I want more money, cause, position. Oh, you know, the responsibility of having a family in the modern world. Once terribly complicated. How will you answer the problem of each one? I may want a very simple job, I don't care. I really don't care whether I'm a cook or a gardener or a prime minister. I'm not, thank God. <laughs> I really don't care because I'm not seeking status. Therefore, I can function. I'm only concerned with good functioning. Another may want a good position, is driven by ambition, is always competing, aggressive. And being aggressive, he, he has his own problems. And so on and on and on. Now, how will you answer this question? Please listen to this. That will answer every variety of human being who wants a job. And for every job, there are about 3,000 people after it. You understand? I was told the other day somebody advertised for a cook. And about and BAs and MAs of, came to offer their, themselves as cooks. Now, how will you answer this question? That will be acceptable, true to each one. Then it won't be complex, will it? Right? We're going to find out. I haven't thought about this before, inquired into it, and we are going to inquire into it together. That will answer every human being. 
Does he seek a job according to his temperament? According to his character? According to the demands of the society? Society demands there be more engineers, or more scientists, or more artists, more artists, because you are better positioned then, you are more respected, like in Russia. You have special, you know, houses and special facilities. Now, are you dependent on your temperament in seeking a job that, that is according to your character? Please listen to this. We are inquiring. I am not laying down the law. I'm not the Delphic Oracle. We are inquiring. So, am I seeking a job according to my temperament, which is, I love that job? And my temperament, my character, is the outcome of my conditioning. Right? So according to my conditioning and character, according to that, the job is decided. Right? Or my conditioning expresses itself in peculiar idiosyncrasies. The artist, the scientist, this or that. Shall I seek a job according to my idiosyncrasy? Which means according to my conditioning? You are following all this? The conditioning is the result of the society I live in. And that society says prestige status is most important. not the function. And so my conditioning says, I must be at the top of my profession, the prestige. So shall I, being brought up in the culture in which I have lived, follow the dictates of the culture, dependent on temperament and idiosyncrasy, or what shall I do? Go on, sir, what shall I do? So I ask myself, what is a human being to do who is very, very serious, living in this society, with all the complexity of it. Perhaps you see more of the complexity, and I may not, but it is complex. What shall, I, what shall a human being do? Knowing all this, you understand? Knowing what is, what is relationship in which there is no image, 
we went into that, knowing that knowledge is necessary, having an insight into the whole process of thinking, what it means to lead a religious life, what it means to live religious meditation, knowing or observing all this, what shall you do? Just go and seek a job which he loves, dictated by his character, temperament, idiosyncratic conditioning, or when he realizes the whole, when the thing is laid out, you know, all the things we have discussed, talked about, very clearly laid out, what will you do? Please look at it. What will he do? Can I leave that question with you? Or do you want the speaker to answer it? Look, sir, what will you do? You who have listened for the last fortnight, we discussed, gone into the question of psychological revolution, and that's the only revolution, not violence. We discussed, went together, shared together the whole question of relationship. We talked about knowledge and the necessity and the importance of knowledge, and at the same time freedom from the known, the two together living, moving together. We discussed, we have talked over religion, authority, love, death, and a mind that is so marvelously clear and you know, lives in a different dimension and so on. We've discussed all this. What, what shall I do after hearing all this? What's my job after hearing all this? Well, so what do you say? You want me to tell you? My job is what I am doing. You understand? To teach, to learn, to bring about a different human being. That's my job, because that's if you have listened carefully right from the beginning, that will be your job. And if you don't love that job, don't do it. The third extract is from the second talk in Sanin, 1973, titled 
deny the culture, yet live in the world. I do not regard the human mind as the West or the East, it's a human mind. Now this mind is conditioned by a culture, by an environment, economic, social, climatic. This mind has been shaped through time, through knowledge, through experience, to face the world, to look at the world in terms of money, power, pleasure, and to be able to kill. Right? Look at it. Probably Christians have killed more people than any other people in the world. Including Genghis Khan and Timur Lane and all the rest of that gang. So you are conditioned to kill not only other human beings through scientific warfare, but also to kill animals for your food. And money has become extraordinarily important the pursuit of money, because having money gives you pleasure, position, so-called freedom, security. And you have been conditioned religiously to accept an image. transferring all your particular sorrows to that image. Your religion is based on authority, tradition, rituals, dogmas, the infallibility of certain people. Such a Socially, you are seeking power. Competition is very rampant. And you can compete efficiently when you have great knowledge. So education is the cultivation of memory, so that you have an instrument of it which is efficient to kill, 
to survive. So that is your conditioning, as it is in the East, in a different way. I think there is no question about this, right? That conditioning is knowledge, right? Please, we are. I am talking. It doesn't mean I am the only person talking. We are investigating together. And in this investigation, you see. Technologically, scientifically, medically, you have advanced tremendously. But also, you have destroyed the earth. You have killed thousands and thousands of people for an idea or for money or for the exploitation of the earth. You call yourselves Christians. You say you love God and you kill man. This is your heredity, this is your conditioning. And as long as that there is no freedom from that conditioning, there is cannot possibly be a transformation of the mind, right? So, transformation of the mind implies total negation of this civilization, of this culture. You understand what we are talking about? Total denial of this monstrous culture that made us what we are. Each one fighting for himself. From in this culture we say we must work, change the world, different values, new structure. Why should I work? You say you must work in order to survive which means maintain the structure as it is. And the reaction to that is, I won't work. Why should I work? I hope you are all following all this. Life has no meaning as it is now. Has it? 
to suffer, you are constantly in a battle with yourself and with your wife, husband, with your neighbour, with your partner. Conflict, conflict. And your ethic says work. But your ethic doesn't say what is the meaning of life. Unless you find the meaning of life, why should I work? Either to support that structure or the new structure or a new kind of self denial, you know, what's happening in the world. Why should I work at all? And you are given, the culture has given a meaning to life. In work, in the Christian gods, meaning to life, going to the moon, getting, becoming a successful person in the world, your meaning is out there, and that is losing its significance. These are all facts. And so seeing all this, made sorrow when I shed tears. Not sentimental tears, one has inquired, searched, looked up, looked here and there. None of them give the answer. They say, "Follow me, worship me, accept this." pattern of behaviour, work for another, don't work for yourself, be concerned about the society, not about yourself. But all those statements have no meaning. Because one has not found the meaning of life, meaning of existence, which cannot be found in any book, in another, in following a guru, an authority, none of them give you the meaning of existence. You have to find it for yourself. That's what we are going to do. I am the speaker is not 
telling you the significance or the meaning of life, but together, and I mean together, like a taking a journey, a walk together, we'll find out. And to find the meaning, not the purpose. Purpose, you can invent a purpose. If you are clever, intellectual, or fairly reasonable, fairly balanced, you can either invent or accept or put together a purpose. The purpose is, has no meaning. Purpose, the end of life, is totally different from the meaning of existence, meaning of life. The one becomes superficial, whereas if one is really inquiring into the deep meaning of living, then it leads you leads the mind very, very far. So, our minds are conditioned from the moment we are born or previously till we die. And the transformation is the total freedom from this conditioning. And this conditioning exists through the various movements of culture, artistic, religious, technological, political, economic, scientific and all that. Can this mind be aware of this conditioning? Can you be aware of it? Aware in the sense, or I mean by that word, to observe, please listen to this, to observe without any distortion. To observe your conditioning, that is, your culture, your civilization, all the movements of social, you know, all that's going on in the world of which you are a part, to observe that, to become aware of that. I'm, we mean by that word aware to observe without any distortion of opinion, conclusion, without the interference of your tendency or your particular experience, to, uh, to be aware of this conditioning 
without any choice, just to watch. And in the, ob in the observation of it, <coughs> you will then deny, if you go deeply enough, totally all this culture. And yet you have to live in this world. That's the problem. You understand my... I hope you are following all this. You know, I'm, to me this is... A, I'm burning with it. How can I, how can this mind, live in this world which is so appalling, so destructive, so meaningless, and turn my back on it completely. And I mean by turning back, actually put away all the rubbish it has put in my mind. Their religions, their attitudes, their opinions, their immorality, their sense of monetary import, you know, the whole of that, the killing, Can I turn my back on it and yet, and yet live here? Not withdraw, run away into some monastery, that's no meaning. I do not know if you ever played that game. Of withdrawing from the world. withdrawing into a monastery or into a room, cutting everything out of it, so that you are, you are, a, you are completely isolated. And if you have ever done it, even for a day or even for a week, you'll soon find out that's not the way out. That's again the movement of thought which, in its reaction to this mad, confused, insane world, says, I can only solve it by withdrawing it. So my question is, first, can this mind, which is the result of this civilization and this culture, and therefore has very little meaning, Can, my, can the mind become aware of it, 
choicelessly observe. And yet I have to live here. I have to, I have to do things every day. How is this possible? You are following all this? First of all, we must be very clear that the description is not the described, right? What we have described, put into words, is not the thing itself. Are you very certain, clear, that there must be radical transformation? Not have your finger in this social order or in this uh, church or in this sect or in this book or in this total transformation. And third, this mind, which is the result of this culture, this civilization, is the result of that. And to be free of that conditioning, you must totally deny the culture and yet live in this world. Right? Now, how is this to be done? Right? I hope you are following all this. I hope I am making myself clear. I have to live in this world. With all the madness around me, this madness which has tried to give a meaning to life, and in the observation of it I see it has no meaning. I have to live with this structure and yet not belong to it in any way. Right? Now, is this possible?
The fourth extract is from Krishnamurti's fifth talk in Sanan, 1973, titled Work as Part of a Harmonious Life. Would you go into the question of earning a livelihood? Because that requires capacity, that requires thought, that requires knowledge. Would you go into that? As the, civil, as the culture and the civilization exists now, of which you are a part, we are brought up to work for our life. Work, 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 all day long. Right? What a horror it is. To be told, to be under somebody, to be directed, to be insulted, to be beaten down. Hmm? That is the culture in which we have grown, in which we have been moulded. And to the formation of that mould we are educated. Conform to that mode, we are educated. We are educated mainly to acquire knowledge, to cultivate memory, so as to earn a livelihood. That's the primary function of education, as it is now. And therefore, in that, education, there is conformity, competition, imitation, ambition, success. Success implies more money, better position, a better house if you are a communist, and so on, so on, so on. That is the structure in which we have been brought up. Edu- and knowledge has become tremendously important to function in this field. Therefore, the cultivation of memory. And you discard totally the rest of it, rest of existence. That's a fact. Now you say, how am I to earn a livelihood Though I need knowledge, hmm, but yet I see the limitation of knowledge. Right? I need to earn bread and butter. I need to have food, clothes, and shelter. Whether the state supplies it or I work for it. But I have to, it is the same thing. But I have to work for, for the state to offer me. So, that is the fact. Now, I have heard you talk about it. I have heard you say to me, knowledge is very limited, it is mechanical. 
and being very mechanical, we try to escape through religions, through sex, through uh, idiosyncrasies, through neuroticisms, through the desire to fulfil ourselves in something apart from this work. I've heard you say that, and I see the truth of it. But yet, what am I to do? What am, how am I to live in harmony? Please listen to this. To live in harmony, having knowledge functioning in knowledge, and also freeing the mind from this mechanical process of learning, so that the two run together. You understand? You are following what I am t- So that I, the mind lives going to the factory, working, without competition, you follow? Because it doesn't, it's not concerned with achieving a position, it's only concerned with achieving a livelihood. I don't know if you see the difference. And also it sees very clearly the freedom from the known, right? which is the knowledge, which is the past. Can these two streams move together harmoniously all the time? You are following the, my, your question, sir? Am I answering your question? Huh? That's, that is our problem. Not the problem of earning more, more and more and more and more, which is what society wants, which is the consumerism, which is commercialism, which is buy. You follow all the tricks they are playing on the mind to make you buy, buy, buy. I won't. I see the f- and I see at the same time the freedom from the known, which is knowledge. Can these two work together all the time, so that there is no friction? You've understood my question? Now, what is harmony? You understand, that's the problem. I see I must earn. A livelihood. I won't fight. I won't compete. I, wo- I will work because I put my brain, my capacity into it. Therefore, I work very efficiently because I have no psychological problems with work. I am not competing with anybody. Therefore, my capacity, my energy, my way of writing, producing, whatever it is, is complete. Therefore, there is no conflict. There is no wastage of energy, right? I hope you see this. And so I'm asking, what is harmony? You understand? I say there must be harmony between the two. Now, what is this harmony? Can harmony, the sense of balance, the sense of sanity, the sense of feeling whole, work, knowledge, 
and freedom from law. That is the whole. Can that sense of wholeness be brought about by thought, by investigation, by reading, by searching, by asking? Or does this wholeness, sense of completeness, come about Can thought bring it? Therefore, thought cannot bring it, obviously. So, seeing, please see this seeing that thought cannot bring about it, seeing that I shall work efficiently with full energy because I have no psychological problems, you follow? And therefore, I am only working to earn a livelihood for self-sufficiency. And I see the whole thing must work together. And it can only work together when there is intelligence. So intelligence is harmony. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Wait a minute, I'm finished. Just a minute, I'm just, I'm just searching myself. Look, sir, it is intelligence that says, work only for a livelihood, not for ambition, not for competition, not to succeed, to have a, you know, all the rest of it. Work. That's part of, that's life. It's the intelligence that has told me, not a conclusion. And also intelligence says to me, freedom is necessary. So the intelligence says there must be harmony. So intelligence brings about this harmony. I, not outside agency brings about this harmony or thought. Now, I don't know if you have noticed, sir, thought is always outside. Right? Thought is always from the outside. I was told the other day that in the Eskimo language, thought means outside. Right? So, thought is not, cannot possibly produce harmony, balance the sense of wholeness, because thought is outside. But what brings about this total sense of integrity, this sense of sanity, wholeness, intelligence? The intelligence is not the intellectual acceptance of an idea. It is not the product of reason, logic, though reason, logic must exist, but it's not the result of that. It is the perception of truth 
from which arises wisdom. Wisdom is the daughter of truth, and intelligence is the daughter of wisdom. Right? I got it. Huh? Do you see it? Now, if, so do work at this. You understand? So just look at it, drink it. And then it, it is your, it is there. You don't have to struggle, read books, and go through all the tortures of life. The final extract in this episode is from the second talk in Ojai, 1977, titled I Have No Problem with Livelihood. Nobody's going to tell you all these things. No books, no gurus, no philosophers. You have to learn this from yourself. And you can only learn this from yourself when you have time, leisure, mind not being occupied with all kinds of things. So we are saying, it is possible to live a life that is completely psychologically free from all conflict. Has it, has it happened to you? Please, this is not group therapy, which is an abomination to me, personally exposing our dirty laundry to each other. It has no meaning. But what we are actually doing is learning, not memorising, but learning, observing the fact. And the fact will do everything if you left the fact alone. You understand? So, the fact is that human beings live in the past, and therefore there is always division between the past and the present and the future. The past being the ta- time. So we are <coughs> saying, as long as, if I may go a little further, as long as there is a time interval in your observation, between the observed and the observed, there must be conflict. Hmm? Please don't agree with me. See, find out if this is an actual fact to you. If this really, this has, you have really understood this not verbally but are actually doing it. Because we are talking about a 
a very, very serious problem, which is conflict, struggle in life. And when you do not struggle, you think you are lost. And bring and thereby be afraid of losing, which is another form of conflict. So if there is if you really have gone into this with the speaker together and discovered for yourself, not from the speaker, but discovered it for yourself that as long as there is a division between the observer, the image maker, and the fat, which has no image but only fat, as long as there is division, there must be everlasting conflict. There is a law. And can that conflict be ended? And we are pointing out or talking about it and learning that it is that it can end. So when there is a psychological ending of suffering, ending of conflict, which is part of suffering, then how does that apply to our livelihood? How does that apply in our relationship with each other? Right? You are following out? I don't know if you are understanding or not. Can I go on? If this is a fact that you have, that you as a human being, who is the world and the world is you, which we went into yesterday very carefully, if this is a fact that you have really, that you are actually now living a life in which there is no psychologically no conflict whatsoever. Then, how does that ending of psychological struggle, with all its conflicts, pain, anxiety, fear, how does that apply to our daily living? You understand? To our daily going to the office, etc., etc. What's your answer? If you, if this is a fact to you that you have ended psychological conflict, then how will you live a life without conflict outwardly? What am I to do if I, want, if I live this kind of life? No conflict inwardly. Do you know what that means? When there is no conflict inside, 
There is no conflict outside. Because there is no division between the inner and the outer. You understand? It's like ebb and flow. The sea coming in and sea going out. But when there is this psychologically no conflict, the ebb going out also no conflict. You understand? What shall I do? I have to earn a livelihood, unfortunately. Personally, I don't. <laughs> I don't because I have no problem about earning livelihood. But you have a problem about earning a livelihood. Why haven't I a problem about not earning a livelihood? Because, very simple, you're all waiting. You are a strange people, all right. <laughs> I have no problem because I don't mind what happens. You understand? I don't mind if I fail or succeed. I don't mind if I have money or not money. Personally, I have no money, thank God. I don't want money. But I need food and clothes and shelter. And if somebody gives me, it's all right. If somebody doesn't, I live where I am. You understand my question? I have no problem. Because I don't demand anything from anybody or from life. I wonder if you understand this. So I've explained, but my my way of living is entirely different from yours. So So if I was if I had to earn a livelihood, what shall I do? Having, having psychologically no conflict of any kind. You know what that means? How do I, how, how, have, how has it happened that I have no conflict? Is it a theory? Is it a, a desire which has been fulfilled? Is it a, an illusion? Is it something that I have hypnotized myself into? 
You understand all my questions? Or is it an absolute irrevocable fact which nobody can touch? It is inviolable. Violate. You know what inviolate means? That which cannot be damaged, which cannot be touched. So if that is so, then what, what shall we do together? It is together. What shall we do together to earn a livelihood? Because there is no conflict, therefore there is no ambition. Because there is no conflict, there is no desire to be something. Right? Because there is no conflict, because inwardly there is absolute something which is inviolable, which, is, which cannot be touched, which cannot be damaged, then I don't depend psychologically on another. Therefore, there is no conformity, no imitation, and all that. So, not having all that, then I will do what I can in the world be a gardener, a cook, uh, anything. You understand what? But we are so heavily conditioned to success and failure. Success in the world, money, position, prestige, you know, all that. And that's what we are struggling to, for. But if none of that exists, you understand what is what is what takes place in a human being? In the in in consciousness, in human consciousness, which is so heavily conditioned, right? Heavily conditioned to success and the fear of failure. To be something, not only outwardly, but inwardly. That's why you accept all the gurus. Because you hope he will lead you to some illumination, some, some kind of illusory nonsense. Not that there is not something absolutely true. But nobody can lead you to it. So our whole consciousness, or most of it, is conditioned to accept, to live a life of constant struggle. Because we have we we want to achieve, we want to become, we want to play a certain part, we want to fulfil, we want, you know, which all implies 
the denial, please listen to this, the denial of what is and the acceptance of what should be. Because we deny what is and have created the ideal of what should be, there is conflict. But if you have the, but to observe actually what is, which means you have no opposite, only what is. <laughs> 